it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Thank you all. This is a very special night. And this is the first because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country. And truly, we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Thank you very much. Donald Trump, blowout win in Iowa. We all saw it coming. Wow, he's breaking records left and right. Hammer. I mean, it was. I mean, I mean, just like what? Ninety-eight out of ninety-nine counties. It was almost a clean sweep. The one county that he lost, Nikki Haley won by I think one percent or one vote. However, they do it in Iowa. Uh, this was a blowout. This was a blowout of epic proportions. And at this point. The only person that can stop Donald Trump from being the nominee is a judge in a courtroom somewhere. Because, I'm sorry, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, those two are battling for second place at this point. First place has already been decided. Well, I mean, the hammer, the disparity, the numbers between Trump and DeSantis. Trump was first place, obviously, with what, 51%? Correct. How close was DeSantis? 30% behind. (laughs) This was like that championship football game two years ago of Georgia versus TCU. The game kicks off and it's over. I mean, that's kind of what it was like last night because they called this thing incredibly early. Yeah, I know it's kind of rude to people that are out there caucusing. You know, you drive all, you know, it's 40, minus 40 degree weather. And you're, I mean, you're freezing your buttocks off like you wouldn't believe. Snow everywhere. You show up to the caucus center or the polling place or wherever, and you start to have these discussions. You walk in. I mean, it's like an hour process to get to where you're going. And they call it. Right. You walk, you walk in and, you know, you want to start having these discussions, cast a vote, whatever they do. And it was called very, very, very early. How rude. So you went out in minus 45 degree wind chill. You probably parked about, oh, I'd say 200 yards away from the facility that you're caucusing in, you're bundled up. You've got a coat. You've got a hat. You've got a scarf. You finally make it inside. You take off the coat and the scarf and the hat. And then some jagoff holds up his phone. It's already been called. It's over. You can go home now. What a waste of time. And listen... I think that's part of the reason why you didn't see a big turnout last night. Yeah, what, 15% of registered Republicans in Iowa, and that's it? Right. I mean, I like, there's like 750,000 some odd registered Republicans, only 110,000 showed up. But that's so damn cold, though. Like, that's, that's the type of weather where if you get stranded out in that, you're in serious trouble. Like, I think guys like us around our age can do this. But what about somebody's parents or grandparents? Because, man, no. these old folks, they love yeah. to get their caucus on, right? <laughs> Would you feel comfortable with your dad or your grandfather going no, out in those conditions? No way. 
And it's not like their vote was going to be the swing vote, right? This was a blowout from the very beginning. Everybody knew who was going to win. The question was the number. So that's the big thing moving forward. How long does Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis stay in the mix? Does Ronna McDaniel get involved in any way? Because if you go back to the Democratic primary, the last election, it wasn't Joe Biden that won those early uh, primaries and caucuses. It was Pete Buttigieg. But then the high holy rollers at the DNC started making some phone calls. They got some people to drop out. They were voluntold to (laughs) drop out and said, listen, we're hitching our wagon to Joe Biden. He's our best chance of winning. And you know what? He did. So let's hear from Ron DeSantis. He was the second place finisher last night. He feels like he did pretty well considering the media was against him. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. What media? Like, is he talking about conservative media, you think, against Ron DeSantis? The media? I mean, of course the media is going to be against you, Ron. The mainstream media, anyway. Right. If there's an R next to your name, they're probably going to be against you. But when I look at the candidates uh, that are still in the mix here, overwhelmingly the media is against Donald Trump more than anybody, and he beat you by 30%. Yeah. In a state where you went to every single county. Yeah, uh, the, the Don really didn't campaign there at all. No. Not, not, I mean, not like DeSantis and Haley did. No, DeSantis basically lived there for yeah. like a couple of months, <laughs> visited every county, spent a ton of money. Meanwhile, Donald Trump didn't do any debates, just kind of did the bare minimum there and ransacked the field. Now, here is Nikki Haley. And I can't stress this enough, who finished third. I can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. (laughs) She finished third. (laughs) And it's a two-person race? Does that mean you're out of it, Nikki? (laughs) Now, I guess she's talking about how she's doing well in the polls of New Hampshire Uh, and her home state of South Carolina. Maybe. Or her speechwriter forgot to change the two to a three. (laughs) They thought they were going to finish in second place. And she went up there and said that. Again, could you imagine Dak Prescott of the Cowboys after getting his doors blown off by the Packers doing a press conference? All right. <laughs> NFC playoffs are down to the Cowboys and 49ers. Who's ready to go? No, it doesn't really work like that. Now, Joy Reid, the crazy race lady over at MSNBC, she thinks that Nikki Haley lost because of a different reason. It's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady. That's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. She's getting, you know, birthered by Donald Trump. Um, and I don't care how much the donor class likes her, which will yeah. ramp up a lot, the better she does in New yes. Hampshire. So it's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis' only argument for staying 
everything in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to whitey wow and everything is race with her race 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 you could hand Joy Reid a cup of hot chocolate on a winter night, and she's going to look at it. Oh, why? Because I'm black? I mean, everything. Nobody in the Republican Everything has to be racist with her. Everything. And by the way, nobody in the Republican Party that I know of, I'm not anti-immigrant. I'm anti-illegal immigrant. I'm anti-open border. Right. Um, and, and Nikki Haley checks off a lot of the identity boxes of being a woman of color, Indian heritage. She was the first woman of South Carolina. So I just don't, I just don't think a woman governor, female governor of South Carolina, I just don't think the race card here in this particular situation makes an ounce of sense. Hey, Joy, did you watch that Eagles and Buccaneers game last night? That's a racist question! <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, Naj, I know you're hurt by this because you're somebody that liked Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes. You passed out last night, as is customary, (laughs) and woke up to the news that Vivek had packed it up and packed it in. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And I think that I am very worried for our country. And he then goes on to say he wants his supporters to become Trump supporters. Yeah, he's endorsed, he endorsed Trump. 100%. So he was polling anywhere from 5 to 7%. So take that total and add it, yeah. in theory, to Donald Trump's total. Not everybody's going to jump over there, but Donald Trump will get the majority of his supporters. Um, Trump's speech last night... I didn't know what to expect, but he was actually very gracious. Like he was a very yeah. calm, cool Donald Trump. I did last see night. the speech. It was good. It was really. It was. It was um, alarmingly um, uh, bipartisan, almost. <laughs> right. He's made, he was mentioned, uh, mentioning Democrats getting along with Republicans, dogs and cats living together, and he was kind to his fellow competitors, uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Vivek. Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together, and uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is, and uh, I see. And uh, I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from. Uh, zero, and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%, and that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. That's a far cry from calling a porn star horse face, <laughs> yeah. which we've heard before from the old man. Very complimentary to everybody there. Didn't, he just, didn't Trump just get done dinging Vivek over the weekend? They had a little back and forth, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and and I think what, what did Trump call Nikki Haley? What was her nickname? Was it Bird Brain? <laughs> I can't I think remember. It was Bird Brain. But that speech that certainly right. wasn't anything yes. divisive, right? Not at all. But yet CNN, MSNBC, they cut away from the speech. Now, mind you, CNN played Ron DeSantis' speech in its entirety. But the guy that won overwhelmingly, CNN and MSNBC, they are basically refusing to let the American people hear from the front runner. 
Why? Because in the event that it's actually a nice speech, like last night was, it takes away their narrative that he's this big, pompous, arrogant, orange man. Last night's speech was very tame, and it was kind of unifying. Yes. But listen how a very defeated Jake Tapper sounds as he cuts away from the speech. Why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses if these numbers hold. The biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest. A relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. Anti-immigrant rhetoric. Anti-illegal immigrant idiot. And the fact that they cut off his speech when they perpetually lied about Russian collusion for years on end. Oh, hold my beer, Nige, because you haven't heard anything yet. Give me that thing. I'll take it. Rachel Maddow. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, We will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, The reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, And honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. Oh, okay. Could she be a little more specific? They, They always say crap like that, untrue things. What's she talking about? Be specific. Was she talking about two years of Russian collusion? (laughs) Oh, wait, hold on. That was MSNBC. Were they talking about a Russian hooker PP tape? Oh, hold on. Wait, I'm being told that was also MSNBC. And how about Rachel Maddow? Dr. Maddow apparently telling all about the vaccines. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. Isn't Got it, it strange how Rachel Maddow basically told their viewers that their network is biased? It's like, hey, look, um, yeah, we're not going to let him speak. He says untrue things. I mean, that's bias at the highest level. We'll tell you what you need to know yeah. about Donald Trump. Unbelievable. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Don't have a knack for making motors crank, no. How's everybody's dry January coming along, Hammer? You guys are wearing me out with this dry January crap. Allison, did you even agree to do dry January? I did damp January. (laughs) My wife and I are doing dry-ish January. That means Friday and Saturday nights only. Oh come on! The yes, but yesterday was or Sunday was awesome because there's a lot of football on Sunday. I'm not allowed to drink on like we made the pact, but I go. I didn't. I don't have to work Monday. I didn't work on MLK Day because I didn't have. Anybody, we didn't have anybody to, to watch the kids. Why? You still drink here at work? <laughs> no, 
I don't know what you're talking about. I categorically do Oh, the dry January people. You guys are the new CrossFit people. How do I know <laughs> you're in dry January? Because you don't shut the hell up about you know, it. My wife has been pretty diligent about it, but she's out of town on business this week. We're like managers meetings and stuff. Well, I there know goes that goes. ish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I know. So I could feel good this week maybe about popping a few during the week. A rare occasion where Nige might uh, imbibe <laughs> in some alcoholic beverages. Well, the, there's some research that, that proves that dry January is effective in, in changing behaviors, right? Like for, for the good, this, this survey found that 72% of its participants sustained reduced levels of harmful drinking six months and completing uh, um, after completing a month of alcohol-free. So basically, you finish dry January strong, you keep going. You're right? not going to do that, though. You're not even really doing dry January. <laughs> Which brings us to this question, Hammer. <laughs> what is my liquor cabinet saying to me right now? Psst. Hey, it's your liquor cabinet. Congratulations. You're halfway through the month and still observing dry January. Everyone inside the cabinet is so proud of you. Jack Daniels. Congrats to you. Jim Beam. You go, boy. Jose Cuervo. Felicitaciones. White Claw. Ah, whatever. This calls for a celebration. <laughs> so pour yourself a refreshing glass of, uh, club soda? I mean, after all, what else can you drink? Something delicious? From inside me? <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to make it. <laughs> this message brought to you by the National Distillery Association. Because a cocktail is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> that was my uh, liquor cabinet talking to me. And I can always tell when your dry January nige turns into dry-ish. Yeah. Because you fall off the text thread. Like, we're on a text thread with, <laughs> with Rob, Rob yeah, and yeah, some yeah. folks, and we're talking, we're gambling, we're talking about the Iowa caucus. Then we'll notice it's been about 45 minutes since we've heard from Nige. Well, it is 9 o'clock. He's probably blacked out in a corner somewhere. Stop it. It's nowhere near that bad stop. It's 9.45. My bad. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's just be honest with each other, Hammer. Trump is getting the nomination, right? I mean, there's no question after Iowa last night. It, it, there's no argument to be made here. They're right. all, they're all, you know, um, it's it's Trump and dozens of percentage points between the other candidates. Right. Dozens of what was it? Thirty? Uh, it was thirty point percentage. Yes. <laughs> between Trump and DeSantis, first and second place, Jeez. thirty percentage what points are we doing difference. Here? What are we doing here? And that's what I'm saying. If you're Ronna McDaniel. And let's be honest, there's a lot of people that actually want her to get off her duff and do something. She's ahead of RNC. Cancel these upcoming debates, get on the phone, and tell people we found our nominee. And if something happens where they try to take him off the ballot, we're going to fight like hell to get him back on. Because I get it, it's one state, but the polling in other states is on par. Very similar, yeah. It might not be 30 percentage points, but the difference between first and second is like 15 right now in New Hampshire. And the polling was pretty accurate in Iowa. It was. I mean, dead on accurate, actually. If anybody saw the polling be 
a little misleading. It was probably Nikki Haley because we kept hearing she had all this momentum going in and she was going to be the second place finisher and she finished behind Ron DeSantis. Now, again, if the polling is accurate, take that for what it is. It looks like she's doing better than Ron in New Hampshire and her home state of South Carolina. But at that point, man, uh, ball game. Does Ron DeSantis endorse Trump when he drops out? Yes. I think Ron DeSantis will. Vivek dropped out last night and immediately endorsed. Right. I think what you see from Donald Trump to DeSantis and Nikki Haley, it's just the game, right? It's like, you know, playing the game. I mean, look what happened with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. (laughs) <laughs> in the in the Democratic nomination. I mean, she basically called him a racist on stage during the debate, said she believed his sexual assault accuser, Tara Reid, and now she's working for him. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's strange bedfellows, man. I don't see any animosity like between Vivek and Nikki Haley. There was no way those two were going to get along. No. Vivek and Chris Christie. There was no way those two were going to get along. But when you see Donald Trump dishing out some nicknames or saying something, that's the game at this point. Nikki Haley is, what do you call her, bird brain? <laughs> is that what he called her? Is it bird brain? She and was so bird brain and Ron DeSantis was meatball. <laughs> meatball Ron! <laughs> I, mean, Sanctus- kinda, I, mean, I mean, I guess... Bird brain resonates for me for some reason with her. Maybe because does she look like kind of like a bird? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a little to it. But it's just I something that's not tied into her name, like DeSanctimonious. Yeah. I see what he's doing there, right? But you said it earlier. The only way that we're not going to see Donald Trump in 2024 running uh, in the general election, it's it's not going to be because of DeSantis and Haley. It's going to be because of a judge right. somewhere. Legal stuff. And his name's going to be kept off the ballot in certain states. Well, that's the thing. Well, like, we're still looking at litigation there, too. As well. You know, we're a couple weeks away from finding out a little bit more about that. And maybe that's why you're not seeing a big rush for... Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley to bow out right now. Maybe in the back of their minds, they're thinking, okay, if something happens to Trump, if legal stuff happens to Trump, maybe we go to the convention and everybody says, who had, you know, the next closest total? And that's why they're neck and neck right now going at each other for second place. It's a Hail Mary. It's all they've got because they're not going to beat Donald Trump if he's on the ballot. Now, with that being said, I think it's very important for Republicans, Trump supporters. You don't want to get too cocky right now. You steamrolled Iowa. It was a historic beatdown in Iowa. Nobody had ever pulled a beatdown like that off before. But you still got Joe Biden to deal with or whoever it's going to be that is the Democrat nominee. Because I don't really think it's going to be Joe Biden. I think it's 50-50 at this point. I'm with you. I'm with I think you. It's fifty-fifty, and well, then then who's it going to be? If it's not Joe Biden, it's definitely not going to be Kamala Harris. No, they're going to leapfrog her. I mean, I think you're looking at two people. You're looking at Gavin Newsom. You're yeah. looking at Michelle Obama. Yeah. I think those are the two. But whoever it is, if I'm Donald Trump and I'm the Republicans, I want to start thinking about the general election. The writing's on the wall with the primary. Done. It's over. Donald Trump's going to be the dude. 
Ron DeSantis went to every single county, spent more money than anybody, and got dusted by 30%. It's over. That's crazy. And I'm not laughing. I love DeSantis, by the way. I'd vote for him. I would, too. I, would have voted for, I, I don't know that I would have voted for Nikki Haley, uh, but I, I definitely would have voted for DeSantis or Trump or Vivek. Um, Joe Biden has a response to Trump's dominating win in Iowa. Would you like me to read this? Uh, oh, please. Let's see uh, who's pretending to be Joe Biden on Twitter and what they wrote. Looks like Donald Trump just won Iowa. He's the clear front runner on the other side at this point. But here's the thing. This election was always going to be you and me versus extreme MAGA Republicans. It was true yesterday. And it'll be true tomorrow. So if you're with us, chip in now. And gave a link to some donating site. So basically, he's calling American citizens that were exercising their right to vote extremists. Right. Everybody that's voted for Donald Trump is an extremist. If you're somebody that thought, you know what? I just think he's the best person to secure the border. The political left thinks you're just about five minutes away from storming the Capitol. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if you listen to Trump's victory speech, we played clips earlier, it was it was unifying. He was talking about, you know, I'm going to win this thing and then we're all going to get along. Democrats, Republicans. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything like Dark Brandon's speech. Right. That, you know, devi- which he's made many times, the divisive MAGA Republican, you know, Extremists. It's the only speech. play that they have. January 6th is the only thing they have because he certainly can't run on the economy. He certainly can't run on the border. He can't run on crime. Um, I mean, go to the grocery store, take a hundred bucks and go to the grocery store and see how far that carries you. If it's not as good as it was during the Donald Trump days, then don't expect Joe Biden to campaign on that. All he's got is January 6th. And that's why those media networks cut away from Trump's speech last night. It wasn't going negative. It was quite the opposite. But we can't have MSNBC showing Donald Trump being, dare I say, compassionate. I still can't believe that. I mean, I do believe it, especially coming from networks that shoved the whole Russia collusion hoax down our throat for years, especially coming from networks who had 50 current and former CIA agents sign off on a paper that said that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian hoax. That's what do we get from those networks. And you want to talk about the extreme mega Republicans. Fine. Man, I'm scrolling through social media last night, just, you know, watching the results. I'm going back and forth between the football game and Iowa. Some of these lefties losing their minds. Like Donald Trump lives rent free in a lot of these people's heads. People just freaking out that Donald Trump had won last night. It's going to be an interesting, interesting year, my friend. Put your big boy pants on. Buckle up. We've got a long way to go. 11 months of shenanigans, and I'm here for it. And oh, by the way, after that tweet that whoever runs Joe Biden's Twitter account put out, this morning they followed that up by calling a lid at 10 (laughs) a.m. He said, according to our pal uh, Tommy Piggott from uh, RNC Research, Biden has held just four public events over the past 25 days and spent the rest of the time on vacation or doing nothing. It's just like 2020 again. Like Then he was in the basement, 
and now he's just on vacation. Like he has, a, he goes through a long list. Like January sixteenth, nothing. Uh, January fourteenth, vacation. January thirteenth, left for vacation. Uh, January 9th, tenth, and eleventh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> January third, January fourth, nothing. Uh, January 5th is the day that he did give his angry, divestive speech at Valley Forge. Then okay. He, then he left for vacation. Sure. So and they called a lid before 10 a.m. today, <laughs> where a lot of people would like to hear the president's remarks after the Iowa caucus. You know, your rival he did. He was did. steamrolling. He, he tweeted it out. You're, you are MAGA extremists. You even even Joy Behar was pissed off at the the MAGA extremists that were exercising their right to vote in Iowa, well, criticizing if them. If you've pissed off Joy Behar, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Um, our neighbors from the north have decided to chime in, Nige. Oh. Uh, this is from the Hill, thehill.com. Almost two thirds of Canadians say U.S. democracy can't survive another Trump term. Well, they're communists up in... I mean, they are socialist communists up in Canada. They have no <laughs> room to talk whatsoever. Your prime minister thinks men can have periods. So maybe, just maybe, <laughs> you sit this conversation out about what we're doing down here. You focus on how many tampons that Trudeau wants to put in the men's room. Yeah. And we'll deal with everything going on down here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Uh, I don't know how much you talked about our bowling event Friday, yesterday, while I was out, Hammer. I I just want to say thank you to everybody that made that a huge success. The Hammer and Nigel Red, White, and Bowl event at Woodland there, 96 and Keystone, brought to you by... uh, Jack Daniels. Oh man, they were great sponsors. They were dishing out the uh, the samples left and right. I had a blast. I mean, I want to thank my neighbors. Bought a lane. You know, our friends the Thompsons, uh, Thompson Furniture and Mattress. They bought a lane. Uh, your kids bought a lane. I know with a bunch of buddies. Um, what just an incredible night, and we're working on getting a total uh, of the money raised for the charities. The silent auction, yes. um, the pizza was phenomenal. Oh man! And just hanging out with everybody, you know, going lane to lane, just talking to people, high fiving, fist bumps, doing maybe a shot or two with people. <laughs> shot or two? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, so seriously, thank you guys so much, and we're gonna try to do more of those types of things where. We can help some people and also have a good time at the same yeah, time. I was having a blast, but man, it's just, I suck at bowling. Oh, me too. I'm awful. I mean, you saw, you and I were on the same team. It was just me and you and uh, that one guy, David. Yeah. Our buddy yeah. David. Uh, I was just, just, but that wasn't what it was about. No, it wasn't. We had winners. There was a team that had the best score, and they won a prize. We had some competitions going on, which was really fun. And again, 
the weather outside was freezing cold, but everybody made it up there. Everybody had a good time. At least I think they did. And we're definitely going to try to do that again next year. So thank you to Royal Penn Woodland Bowl and, of course, Jack Daniels for making that happen. I certainly woke up with a headache. <laughs> the, uh, Saturday morning. I don't know about you. Um, speaking of cold weather, I mentioned this yesterday. If you're looking for the best way to stay warm in these frigid, frigid times we're living in, it's by buying a hoodie from the Hammer and Nigel Show merchandise store, store.hammerandnigel.com. Uh, we got uh, a variety of different items for you from golf shirts, t shirts, pint glasses, different themed t-shirts lewd new dude in the news is this anything but i love the hoodies yeah, the big too. comfortable yeah, you I bought a couple i have one yeah love the material just so comfortable and you can get the uh, color customized that you want store.hammerandnigel.com all right i'm gonna run something by you normally we play a game called are you okay with this where you run things by me yeah i'm gonna ask if you are okay with this nige so you know how when you order like DoorDash or something like that, you can customize the drop-off, like contactless or please yeah. leave on the porch or yeah, something ring like the that. Doorbell. Somebody in the UK that was uh, delivering food got a note that said, "Please knock quietly. I'm supposed to be on a diet." <laughs> Yes. I'm this okay was with that. Uh, from a pizza place, and the order was a nine inch Texas barbecue style pizza, <laughs> a double chocolate ice cream waffle with chocolate sauce, Good Lord. and a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and the note attached to the order says, Knock quietly. I'm supposed to be on a diet. <laughs> yeah, so obviously there's somebody else in the house that would be extremely upset if they knew that this person was about to ingest 5,000 calories. Right. I am on board with that. Absolutely. No question. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock This is so stupid. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Nikki Haley throwing down a challenge to Donald Trump. Basically, she's saying she's going to skip the next debate unless Trump shows up. I thought we were done with debates anyway. (laughs) This last one shouldn't have happened. This one-on-one that CNN did between Nikki Haley and DeSantis. Yeah, I mean, there were fireworks, certainly, in that debate, and there's definitely differences between those two candidates. But, you know, skip the debate, Nikki. Trump's not going to show up. You think Trump sees that? Oh, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, Donald Trump will show up to this debate or else I won't debate. Okay, who cares? I guess it'll be a a town hall with DeSantis then. (laughs) Right. One-on-one with Ronnie D in the crowd. Because I got news for you. Donald Trump didn't do any debates, and he won in a landslide in Iowa. Like, if anything... That proves that he didn't have to do any of this stuff. Absolutely. Because that was a big debate in itself. Should Donald Trump be a part of the primary debates? Trump was like, nah, I don't need this stuff. I'm already going to roll. I mean, especially when you got has-beens like like, uh, the, the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, on stage. He didn't need to be dealing with him. 
Right. He doesn't want to. Ha- he would be lowering lowering himself. There's no win for yeah, Donald Trump no to win. do this. And I would have liked to have seen it. Yes, that would have been some great audio for this show. I'm looking here. ABC. They're the ones partnering with some local station to host the next debate January 18th. So a couple days from now. And then uh, CNN is going to host their second debate on January 21st. Now, DeSantis has said he's in on both, as he should be. He's got nothing else to lose, right? Just go for it. But Donald Trump's not going to do these, and he sure as hell isn't going to be baited into it by Nikki Haley. (laughs) Bird brain. (laughs) Iowa proved that the debates don't work because DeSantis and Haley, they debated their happy little rear ends off. And they still got dusted by at least 30 percentage points. So polling numbers are a little closer for Trump and Haley in New Hampshire. Does that do anything for you? I mean, I was listening to the, you know, the top of the hour of the news. and I mean, Trump's at like 30, or 39, 40%. Haley's at 32%. I mean, you're not supposed to beat everybody by 30 points all the I time. Know, yeah. So the fact yeah. that he's up is not a surprise. Now, New Hampshire... You look at that state, I don't think anybody looks at New Hampshire and says, that's a hotbed of conservative values. There's probably a lot of never-Trump, quote, Republicans in New Hampshire. You're going to find that up and down the northeast part of the United States, where it's predominantly blue. And of course, Nikki Haley, who's getting some blue dollars come her way, she's probably going to do a little better. That's interesting. Democrats donating to Nikki Haley's campaign. Mark Cuban, we talked about this yesterday, very liberal Mark Cuban, uh, openly looking for undecided voters in these primaries and trying to get Nikki Haley's name attached to those undecided voters. Uh, But you look at the schedule for Donald Trump. I don't know if he has time to do any extra debates between court appearances, which he was back in court again this morning for another defamation case against E. Jean Carroll. But you look at the calendar here, January 23rd, New Hampshire primary. So the clock is ticking. February 6th, Nevada. February 24th, big one in South Carolina. Just three days later, February 27th, Michigan. And then March 4th, in theory, that's when the federal trial for the January 6th stuff is supposed to begin. That's not going to happen, though, because they're still in, you know, the, the thing with immunity, the, the appeal right. uh, with Donald Trump and his team. So, I mean, you remember, uh, uh, what does what Trump call Jack Smith, the prosecutor? Deranged, Deranged Jack Smith! Deranged Jack Smith! Try to circumvent the whole thing and go to the Supreme Court to have them throw out the immunity appeal, and they wouldn't do that. They'd actually admonish Jack Smith. Kavanaugh so, looked so at that, the paper yeah. and then put it down on the ground and peed on it like Lou Brown did in Major League, <laughs> zipped up his pants, pulled down his robe, and walked away. So, you know, Jack Smith and the Democrats and the DOJ and Joe Biden's best efforts to have that trial start uh, did no good. The day before yes, Super the day Tuesday, before Super Tuesday, yeah, which is March fifth. All right, so you sent me a, a screenshot of a tweet early today, and I think, I think you and a, you and I may disagree on this. I, maybe I'm not sure. Josh Holmes is a uh, political pundit on social media, like about another billion people are, <laughs> but Josh Holmes puts this out: "Quote, one hundred and ten thousand 
of 752,000 registered Republicans voted in Iowa last night. What a disaster. The first votes cast in America for a presidential election, and we managed 15% turnout. Can you feel the enthusiasm? Mm. LMAO. I personally don't think this is a big deal because it was minus 45 with the wind chill last night. And let's be honest, you knew who was going to win going into that. Like, if you are a season ticket holder for Michigan football, and bless their heart, if they schedule Ball State on the schedule, you kind of know going into that game, Michigan's going to beat Ball State. But the process still happens. I think a lot of people last night said, I know what the result's going to be. That was it. I'm not going out in minus 45 degrees. You guys can caucus later on. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, if you look at the numbers in 2016, 187,000 votes were cast. That was 29% of registered Republicans, and it was a record in Iowa. This year it was just, what, 14%, so 14, 15%, so that's a difference of 77,000 votes. So I, I I am guessing the weather probably had something to do with it, and most people thought this was a foregone conclusion anyway. Right. And if this was some I, neck I mean, and neck deal, then I think you'd have more of a turnout. Like if somebody thought exactly. their precinct actually yes. could matter, you'd have more of a turnout. Well, Trump but, won every precinct except one. And that was really close. Right. He won 98 out of 99. It was a blowout of epic proportions. And if you're somebody that's a little older in age, do you want to go out in minus 45 degrees? for a foregone conclusion and some folks before they left the house maybe they already heard fox news or cnn call the race for donald trump it was called early it's kind of rude wasn't it (laughs) rude like you know you're spending all this time and money and gas and you're risking life and limb to go to quote unquote i mean caucuses are such an awful part of the nomination process it's like 1800s methodology in 2024 Devil's advocate, though. I'm going to fight you on this. We got results last night, and it was all paper ballot. We're not waiting three, four days for results. That's a good point. There's no hitch or glitch in the system. It was all done. So, yes, it's a little dated. It's a little squirrely. People getting out there, rocking out with their caucus out. (laughs) But we had a winner last night, and I think that's important. Um We've been talking a lot about what happened in Iowa last night with Donald Trump. But how about Joe Biden? Joe Biden calling a lid on all activities at 10 a.m. today. And I don't know who did this. I came into work and I got an email. And it looked like it was from like a a fake email account. Okay. But someone said, I know you guys like using AI for things. Enjoy this. And I don't know if this person put it together or if he found it on the internet, but I thought I would play it for you guys. This is what it would sound like if AI Joe Biden did a McDonald's commercial. You smell that? We got fries, we got burgers, we got chicken, we got fries. <laughs> Squish those soft cakey buns and watch the sweet sauce drip from every corner. As someone who is trusted around children worldwide, I'm telling you this stuff is the real deal. But my favorite thing on this menu is ice cream. Oh, how I love ice cream. It's so scrumptious, they'll make you forget your own name. Um, 
Anyway, what am I talking about again? Ba ba da ba da. AI Joe Biden doing a McDonald's commercial. If you've ever wondered what it would sound like, there you go. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Yeah, let's do it, Hammer. How do we play? I am going to run some stories by you. You will break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? A Nebraska man is accused of damaging multiple vehicles, including a police cruiser, at a Home Depot oh, with a skid loader. I love how they use the word accused. He's not accused of anything. He did it. I watched the footage. <laughs> Here is a uh, witness to everything that went on, talking about what he saw and attempting to stop the guy by cutting a hydraulic line with his knife. I don't know what makes someone do something like that. <laughs> I guess Nebraska is the new Florida. I'm going to start seeing Nebraska man headlines everywhere. <laughs> I've seen Dodge Ram front bumper on the bucket up in the air, and I'm thinking, you know, this dude needs just he must have stole something in the Dodge Ram. That's that's probably the snow removal guys that got yelled at by loss prevention, whatnot. To hey, stop that truck or something. The only thing going through my head is someone's got to stop this. Like there is a Home Depot full of contractors, big burly dudes, <laughs> twice my size. Like, come on now, y'all. Exposed hydraulic lines. Go get a bolt cutter from aisle five. I shouldn't be the one that's having to do it. You know what? Screw it. <laughs> this is guy, Zachary Martin, just an innocent bystander, just a customer at Lowe's. First of all, when they say a skid loader, I'm talking like a, it's a bobcat. It's like um, um, just this, it, it looks like a, kind of like a tank with a bucket on front of it. Okay. That you can lift and use and dig dirt and move stuff. And he was going nuts in this parking lot. And I'm surprised the cop didn't get out and shoot the guy. Because he, you know, he, he lifted up his bucket on this this bobcat, came down on top of the police cruiser, which, by all means, he could be charged with murder trying to kill this cop. True. And so, anyway, this kid is seeing all this. This Zachary guy, Nebraska man, now in Florida man, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a funny comment, goes in, grabs bolt cutters. And then sneaks up behind this guy in the bobcat and and severs the hydraulic line so they could stop this thing because he was out of control in this this parking lot. And nobody else did anything. It was yeah. just this one brave and, dude. And there was one police car, and I'm I'm telling you, this guy, whoever was in that bobcat, that skid loader, is lucky to be alive. And you know what? It's unfortunate that he is alive because is. idiots like that don't deserve to breathe our oxygen. Is this anything? There's a lot of things on television last night. There was a playoff football game. Mm -hmm. There was the Iowa caucus. There was also the 75th annual Emmy Awards. Here's a little montage of some of the big winners for the best in the past year of television. Lead actor in a comedy series. Here we go. Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. Outstanding comedy series. Lead actress in a drama series. Sarah Snook, Succession. Lead actor in a drama series. Kieran Culkin, Succession. For outstanding yes. drama series, Succession. Yeah. Right on. 
I, I, I did not watch the Emmys. There was nowhere to go but up from the Golden Globes as they were such a disaster. Uh, the Emmys had been postponed like four months because of the writer's strike. Are you a big awards guy? Um, Do you watch those? I, I, if there was nothing else on TV last night, I probably would have watched that one because some of my favorite shows that I've actually heard of all one big succession you heard there. Um, and Kieran Culkin, who plays Roman Roy in <laughs> Succession on HBO Max, is uh, one best actor um, for drama. And then the guy Carmi from The Bear. I forget his name. What's, I forget is that name. a show where people shoo away bears? <laughs> no, no, no. Ah! But Allison, you just got done watching The Bear. The Jeremy ba- Allen White. Jeremy Allen White. Who plays Carmi? Who was, um, I believe, a uh, he played a, a master chef at a really fancy at the French Laundry, I believe, in California. Comes back home to Chicago to take over his dead brother's um, restaurant, failing restaurant, and it is really, really good. And I like his character, and I think the guy that plays his cousin in the movie Richie. Or not in the movie, in the series on Hulu, uh-huh. also won Best Supporting Actor at the Emmys. And you just got done with Succession. Yep. Those people are evil, man. Binge watched all of Succession. And again, I don't want to spoil the ending for somebody that wants to still watch it. I did not like the ending, but the characters are pretty dynamic. And Kieran and Culkin, Macaulay's brother. Uh, Kieran. <laughs> Kieran, yeah. sorry. He plays Roman, Roman. just a perverted, wild kind of dude. Uh, you don't know where he's going to go. It's about a family who runs um, a, a TV corporation. A media right? empire. A, a media empire, yes. Kind of, I believe, based off the Murdoch family. Probably. And, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the Roy family, especially the uh, the Culkin brother, his character is just wild, but uh, did not like the ending to that. No? You didn't. You don't like who got control of the company? I did not. Not at oh, all. Oh, wow. We won't ruin it for you if you haven't seen it yet, but yeah. Okay. When was the last time you saw a final episode of a series and you were actually like, okay, oh. that was pretty cool. I like that. Because I did not like the Seinfeld finale. That's a, that's an interesting... We, we need to do some more research on that. Yeah, I didn't really... wasn't down with the Seinfeld finale either. The old... And again, I didn't love the show, but the ending was brilliant. The uh, Bob Newhart show, where he wakes, he wakes up, up in bed yeah. and he's with his wife from the previous show. That was really good. Sopranos, eh? Yeah, it was hit and miss. I see what they did. But it wasn't my favorite. Allison, was there a series finale that you watched where you were like, I got everything I wanted out of that? Uh, Yeah, The Office, the U.S. Office. I thought they did a good job wrapping everything up. Okay. They brought back Steve Carell at the end. It was a good little bow tie. Got it. Hit us up on social media. interesting. At Hammer and Nigel. What was the last series finale where you said, that's good? I like that. I feel good. I'm happy the show was ended on that note. At Hammer and Nigel. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube chat. You can also email us, Nigel at WIBC.com. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, 
and everything in between. Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there with a very special guest on the hotline. Dan Nash is a nationally accredited trainer at the Human Trafficking Training Center. And Dan, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. And my colleague, Nigel, and I, we've been doing this afternoon show for about six years. When we first started about six years ago, one of the first things we talked about was how human trafficking is one of the most underreported stories in America. Well, that was six years ago. Time has gone by. I think a lot more people talk about it. There's been a very successful movie about it. So my question to you right out of the gate here have we made progress in human trafficking in this country or is the situation at the border so poor and dire right now it's worse because honestly i have no idea um no we have not made progress and and thanks for having me on the show by the way um we are, we currently have probably more trafficking taking place in america today in 2024 than ever in our history um, does the border have some part to play with that? Yes, it does. We don't know for sure how much um, right now. We know that a lot of the folks that are being brought across the border are being smuggled. They're not being trafficked. But does that increase trafficking in America? Well, sure, it's going to when you have all these vulnerable people that are coming into the country that are susceptible to being trafficked. But we don't really know what those numbers are going to look like. And honestly, it may take years to figure that out. Honestly, if we ever figure it out, because we don't really have any idea of how many people are even coming into the country. So tell me a little bit about the Human Trafficking Training Center. I know you guys are coming to uh, Indy in March. I believe it's 19th through the 20th in Middletown. What is the Human Trafficking Training Center? So we teach law enforcement. Um, we teach some other folks that we invite other folks to come out to, like um, victim advocates, and we allow like CPS workers, social service workers. Um, but really, what we're doing and probation and parole. But really, what we're doing is training law enforcement, and we provide skills-based um, human trafficking training for law enforcement. So there's there's been actually research about this, and if you look at the research across the country, and I I think the listeners would be surprised to know this that only about 17% of law enforcement in America get any human trafficking training whatsoever. And if you break that down between skills-based training and awareness-based training, it's only 8%. So what is the difference between skills-based and awareness-based? Well, skills-based training is like what to do, whereas awareness-based training is like, it's really good for like the community and hotel workers and truckers and casino workers and transportation workers you know if you see something say something you call 911 but that's not good for law enforcement they are 911 they have no one to call they have to know not only how to identify human trafficking but then they have to know how to investigate it and law enforcement does not get this training and most people think oh it's just the small towns that don't get it no it's everybody now, i'll give you an example so most people will, you know will think of our federal law enforcement partners as you know well they've got to be trained so here's a dirty little secret. The FBI gets not a single hour of human trafficking training in their academy. None. Zero. So when they come out of their academy, they have absolutely no training, none whatsoever, of human trafficking. And then we wonder why they're not good at it. We've set them up to fail at it. Dan Nash is a, a trainer at the Human Trafficking 
Training Center. Dan, I, I, I can imagine your job is, is maybe sometimes takes an emotional toll. I can imagine the things you've seen uh, in your role uh, there. I mean, it, it, how do you deal with, how do you process, how do you compartmentalize um, the things you see on a day-to-day basis in terms of, of what human trafficking looks like? Um, honestly, probably when I was working as a state trooper for 27 years, um, I, I had to figure out how to deal with some of that, honestly, um, because you are seeing you know horrible things. And my job now, um, while I still am exposed to you know some pretty negative things, I really look at what I do now as something positive. And I'll give you an example. So in 2023, we did 49 trainings in 28 states. Uh, we taught 4,927 police officers across this country, and those 4,927 police officers left that training and found 272 trafficking victims after they left the training. The quickest was five hours and 15 minutes, and the youngest person was 11. So even though that's bad, I look at that yeah. as a positive thing. I mean, yeah. we are the police and giving the police the skills to go do these things and then as soon as they're trained they're going out and doing it so i'm i'm excited about that i i look at that as a positive and i'm thinking man if we can only train all the police think of the difference we could make dan explain what human trafficking really means because i'm sure there's probably somebody listening to our show right now that they've heard the term but they don't really know what it means is this you know young children being sent to like epstein island is this sex trafficking what is the broad uh, definition of human trafficking so in the united states there's basically two forms of, of, of trafficking essentially there's sex trafficking and then there's labor trafficking um all trafficking is is me if i'm the trafficker forcing someone else to commit criminal activity for my um, for my financial gain. So where we'll mostly see that, especially on the sex trafficking side, is prostitution. Most people, you know, think of prostitution as, oh, that's just somebody that's made a poor decision in life, or they're just a, a, an alcoholic or a drug addict or something. But that's actually not true. And all the academic research supports this. My own experience supports this, that some 90 to 95 percent of, of persons involved in prostitution are actually under third-party control. In other words, they are being trafficked. Somebody is forcing them to do that. But there's also other things that they force them to do. Drug traffic, they also force them to steal, to commit forgery, to commit credit card fraud. And a lot of times the traffickers will say to the victims, okay, you owe me $3,000 today. I don't care how you get it. You can go have sex with 15 men today and bring me my $3,000, or you can take these credit cards and go buy stolen goods and bring me the stolen goods back. Now, if you were a trafficking victim, which would you choose? Of course I'd choose the credit cards. Of course I'd choose to transport drugs. Of course I'd choose to go steal or to commit forgery or to do something else versus have sex with 15 men a day. So that's all part of human trafficking. It's basically using force, fraud, and coercion. Um, every state and the federal government requires that except Minnesota. Um, you have to show force, fraud, or coercion um, to force someone to commit criminal activity. That's all human trafficking is, is forcing someone through force, fraud, and coercion to commit criminal activity. 
Is there a predominant age group that you see more than others? Is it legal adults? Is it young children? Is there one specific uh, age group that is in more danger than anybody else? Um, it's really anybody that has a vulnerability. So traffickers, just that's all they're concerned about. They're not as concerned about someone's race or gender or anything like that. They're concerned about vulnerability. And vulnerabilities can be a lot of different things, right? It can be poverty. It can be um, the fact that you're undocumented. It can be a host of things. Probably the biggest vulnerability that we see is children that were either sexually or physically abused as a child. In all the years that I've been doing human trafficking work and interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of victims and survivors, um, the I can count on one hand the number of them that were not either physically or sexually abused as a child. That's almost where it always starts. They're physically or sexually abused as a kid, creates all this trauma. Um, the traffickers see that trauma. They exploit that trauma. They utilize that. They groom this person. They manipulate this person. Um, and then the next thing they know, they're in a really bad situation that they can't get out of. So it's all really about vulnerabilities more than anything else. Dan Nash is a nationally accredited trainer at the Human Trafficking Training Center. How important? I, I still have not seen the movie yet. It seems like kind of a, t- a tough watch for me. Um, because I don't like this subject, and I'm so glad there are guys out here like you doing this. Uh, but the movie Sound of Freedom, human trafficking, sex trafficking, um, how how important was that movie in sort of highlighting uh, this this nationwide problem? And I understand there you're kind of working with the people behind that movie. So there is pros and cons of the movie um, Sound of Freedom, clearly. Number one, um, was it good and did it generate a lot of awareness and get people talking about human trafficking? 100%. I mean, when that movie was running, I was getting more people calling me, asking me questions, more people were calling a lot of different places. It, it That movie generated more awareness for human trafficking probably than anything that I've seen in the last few years. The problem with the movie, and this is because it's Hollywood, right? Um, Everything that they portrayed in that movie was not 100% accurate. So some of the stuff that they showed in that movie, um, for example, you know, children being abducted and and forced into trafficking, that's not really what we see in America. Um, I mean, the idea that you're going to go to Target and you with your daughter and you're going to walk across the target parking lot and a trafficker is going to grab your daughter and run off with her and be and traffic her. That's not really what we see at all. That, that That's just not really true and accurate. Um, what we see most of all, all, all is people that are in very vulnerable situations. A trafficker has groomed, manipulated, and exploited them, and then maybe gets that young juvenile daughter to run away from home and go be with the trafficker because she thinks it's going to be better over there. Or you have someone that's in a, um, a house where their parents don't really care about them and are not really paying attention to them. You have somebody in a house where or maybe they're in a foster care system or they're a runaway. Those folks are super, super vulnerable to trafficking. That's what we see in America. The abduction are really not accurate. What we see is the, the exploitation of vulnerable people. So tell me about what's coming up in March here in Middletown, uh, the 19th and the 20th. Uh, you've got a, a couple classes available. 
Yes. So we're going to do a two day training for law enforcement. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be free to law enforcement. We've, we funded it through other ways and, and other things because we, we know that law enforcement has lost a lot of training money in the last few years with all the stuff that's going on in the country. Um, so we want to make it free for law enforcement. Uh, probation and parole is welcome to attend. Child Protective Services, folks like that are all welcome to attend. Advocates that work in the trafficking field, we want them to attend. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to provide law enforcement 16 hours or two days of skills-based law enforcement training. And what we expect to see is some of these officers, when they leave that training, will probably start finding victims of trafficking very, very quickly. That's almost I mean, that happens at almost every single training that we do is there'll be traveling victims found within the first seven to 14 days after those officers leave the training. And if there's law enforcement officials listening to our program right now, which I know there are, we've got a great relationship. If they want to take advantage of this, how do they do it? They can just go to our website, which is the human trafficking training center.com. They can sign up for the class right off of that website. And it's open to Police department, sheriff's department, state police, federal agents, it doesn't matter. As long as you're in law enforcement, we want you to attend. Because, again, we know that most law enforcement does not receive this training. So we're trying to provide it to to um, as many law enforcement folks as we can across the country. Dan Nash of the Human Trafficking Training Center. Dan, keep doing what you're doing. This is God's work, my friend. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, and be safe. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Nudge, if you need a reason to drink tonight. Try January. AJ Foyt is 89 years oh, old today. I'm drinking then. Super Texas, oh, 89. AJ. And I think the only way to celebrate are with some words of wisdom from AJ Foyt. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel present Words of Wisdom with AJ Foyt. It was Jeff Andretti that got. Well, yeah, he's all over the guy. Track. You don't know where in the hell he's going. Kept from knocking him through the goddamn wall. I'm tired of this shit. Got people out there that shouldn't even be in the goddamn race car. Words <laughs> of yeah. wisdom with AJ Foyt. Oh man, the boss man. Oh, I'm definitely cracking one open when I get home. 89 years young today. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. You know, Hammer, there really wasn't a lot of misreading of the polls leading up to the Iowa caucuses last night. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think we all knew, like, people misread the polling during the midterm elections, right? A lot of, um, you know, we got a lot wrong there. But um, this particular instance, the uh, polling last night uh, leading up to the caucuses was dead on balls accurate. Donald Trump won 98 of 99 counties in Iowa, and the one yeah. that he lost was just by a fraction. So, yeah, this was a good old-fashioned blowout. So now I'm wondering, if you're Ronna McDaniel, if you're the head of the RNC here, and you've been taking you know, heat for a long time about underperforming in elections, 
is it time e. that you start making some phone calls the way the Dems did the last election and say, hey, it's time for you guys to bow out. It's time to rally around the person that's going to be our nominee, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley. I appreciate you. We'll find a spot for you yeah, somewhere, but it's not, time to go. I don't know, man. They're not going anywhere. I, I think they've had some of the people in the Republican Party have had issues with Ronna. Rona, oh, yeah. Rona, Ron McDaniel. Um, so I don't, I don't know if uh, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis takes that request seriously. That's a good and, point. And, and also, I mean, she, you've said this before, Nikki Haley's not going anywhere until South Carolina, her home state. Right. Because she is probably looking at second place in the next two primaries, if you're buying into polling. Now, again, polling's never perfect. Uh, we were told she had this big momentum going into Iowa, and she still finished behind Ron DeSantis. But she's going to do much better, one, in her home state, and two, in an area that's about as far away from conservative values as you could imagine up in the northeast part of the United States. So it's going to be a tough road for Ron DeSantis to hang in there the next couple of primaries, but what are we talking about? We're talking about <laughs> second and third place here. Yeah. Doesn't matter. The only person that can make it so Donald Trump is not the nominee is a judge in a courtroom somewhere. 98 out of 99 counties. You think they called it a little early last night? I mean, we knew Trump was gonna. We knew it was gonna blow out in Iowa, but did, they, did the the news organizations actually maybe call it a tad early? I mean, they were right, so it's hard to say that you know they shouldn't have called it that early. But you made a great point. We were talking earlier today in the back. What if you're somebody that went out last night in Iowa? And it's minus 45 wind chill. You're caucusing your frozen ass off. <laughs> right. 100%. And you had to park 200 yards away. Let's say your caucus center was pretty far. So you're walking the length of two football fields just to get to your site. Minus 45. You bundled up. Your car's probably not doing really well. You walk in the center. Somebody holds up their phone and says it's been called. <laughs> How rude! That sucks. Maybe that's why uh, only fifteen percent of Iowa uh, registered Republicans showed up for this vote. Uh, here's a reporter for CBS talking about the problem of calling this so early when people were still voting. While there is a process, uh, and many many did have you know many had caucused already, and the the caucuses had begun statewide, it meant that in my particular location, and this is true for other locations as well. No one had, had, in fact, cast a ballot when news alerts started going off on people's phones and just all the energy drained out of the room. Uh, and it, I have to say, there's got to be a better way to do it than that. Imagine if other things were done like that. Like, imagine going to the Georgia Ball State football game. Yeah. The game kicks off. It's over. <laughs> Georgia's won. Now, the call would still be right, but it still sucks that you took time out of your day to go there to take care of yeah. business yeah. and nothing to show for it there. So, it's so, Donald Trump's to lose. New Hampshire. Here we come, baby. How much will Donald Trump win by? That's the question, though. What was what was it this time? 30%? Thirty percent. Thirty. Ron 30? DeSantis was thirty percentage points behind Donald Trump in Iowa. <sighs> wow. 
But keep in mind, Donald Trump hasn't even really campaigned in Iowa all that much. He went there for a little bit at the end, but... DeSantis visited all 99 counties. Right. Came in 30% below. Wow. Spent so much money just to have your doors blown off. Uh, Speaking of Donald Trump, he was back in a New York courthouse today. What now? This is the jury selection and opening statements for the start of a civil trial for E. Jean Carroll's defamation lawsuit. For God's sake, this woman. Didn't they just get done with a civil suit? She got five million bucks. Yeah, and then he turned around, Trump turned around, like she claims assault. Back in some dressing room years ago, and she won five million dollars, and now she's suing him again because Donald Trump went on TV and called her a whack job. <laughs> so God. now she wants more money. Holy God Almighty! And we had drama early this morning. So judge in this trial is Judge Kaplan, and Trump in this case is being represented by Alina Haba, who I happen to like a great deal. I do too. For various yeah. reasons. Uh, Alina Haba got into it with the judge really? because the Trump team wanted this delayed a little bit so the old man could go to the funeral of Melania's right. mom. Yeah. yeah. Well, the judge got all upset and said, no, we're not changing the court. I don't care who's died, blah, blah, blah. So, Alina Haba got upset, got yelled at by the judge, and already, one day into this thing, it looks like the trial in Animal House. I'm just waiting for the judge, Judge Kaplan, to lean over. Let's end this damn thing. I mean, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, But going back to Iowa last night, Ron DeSantis. Oh, yeah. Again, he spent more money in Iowa than anybody. He's basically lived there for the last six months, went to every county, but he claims the reason he lost was that the media was against him. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. <laughs> it comes back to that, too. They called the election before people voted. Um, I, I think a lot of conservative media was against Ron DeSantis, for sure. But um, why are they so in the tank for Nikki Haley, then? Because you look at what Ron DeSantis did in Florida. If you're somebody that's a conservative, you yeah. should say, hey, that's all right. I like that. What has Nikki Haley done to warrant all of this national media love? She finished third place in Iowa last night, but because she knows she's got big establishment donors and the media that's in her it. back pocket, she says, nah, this is a two-person race now. I can safely say tonight Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Dude, somebody messed up. Her speechwriter messed up. Obviously, didn't change which the teleprompter was was you know on in front of her. Right? Can you imagine Dak Prescott <laughs> saying that after yeah. the Packers just beat the Cowboys? <laughs> All right, the NFC is down to the Cowboys <laughs> and the 49ers. Well, it's not really like that. Uh, Joy yeah, Reid, the crazy race lady, as Tucker used to call her on MSNBC, she claims that Nikki Haley lost the Iowa caucus because racism. It's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady. 
that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. She's getting, you know, birthered by Donald Trump. Um, and I don't care how much the donor class likes her, which will yeah. ramp up a lot, the better she does in New yes. Hampshire. So it's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis' only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white people. Well, uh, everything, everything about is her is awful. Plus, Nikki Haley had, you know, the first governor of South Carolina, the first female governor, the first um, uh, Indian governor of South Carolina. Not a lot of racism there, I don't think. Again, I'm talking about Joy Reid here. Everything about her is awful. Everything is racist. Your phone right there, Nige, sitting across <laughs> me, racist. That microphone, racist. It seems like the R word is is it just it's it's too bad because it's losing its um you know it's powerful and it's a powerful word it used to be anyway but now that everything's racist it's, it's just kind of watered, watered down a little bit right um were you awake last night when vivek said i'm no, out of here no so uh-uh. you woke up to the news yeah. that uh your, your guy your you mentioned you like ramaswamy yeah i would have voted for him probably he dropped out of the race and it's customary on this program when yes. someone drops out or goes away we have a very emotional yeah. sarah mclaughlin style farewell as of this moment we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. I'm going to get emotional here. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. You asked a stupid question. <laughs> I mean, Nick, if you can't tell the difference between where Israel is and the U.S. is on a map, I can have my three-year-old son show you the difference. <laughs> Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yourself off that stage. Enjoy a nice meal and get the hell out of this place. Joke. Oh, bye bye, Vivek. It's been fun. I'm a sucker for a good fat joke. Okay, let's begin. Are you really okay with me? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty freaking far from okay. Oh. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, this is right down your alley, Hammer. You're a Cubs guy, right? Yes, sir. The manager for the Chicago Cubs and former Major League Baseball player, Craig Council. You've heard of this guy, right? New manager. Yeah, yeah. new manager. Got rid of it was Ross. Yeah, longtime coach there. Um, anyway, Craig Council claims that he had a bizarre batting stance because of Garth Brooks. What's his batting stance? <laughs> What's well? T- play the audio okay, first, okay. and we'll talk about All it. All right, here. I was at the time with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I uh, I was on another Ulfer streak. Couldn't get any hits. I hit a line drive to left field in spring training. The crowd in Port St. Lucie goes crazy. I look up, and Garth Brooks had made a diving catch in left field <laughs> to extend my Ulfer streak. I was released the next day, and that led to me putting my hands way up in the air. So I like to blame Garth Brooks for a horrible batting stance. <laughs> 
Are you okay with that excuse? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so wait a minute. Garth Brooks was in the stands? No, he was playing in the game, I think. What? It was one of those spring training games where they play so many of them. Every once in a while, they let celebrities. Okay. If they're filming something or doing a charity event. I, I thought I thought he was making it sounded like Garth Brooks was in the stands and he reached over and you know grabbed a home <laughs> run, a potential home run. You know. There was a Will Ferrell played in spring training games a number of years okay, ago yeah, when he was that. doing a documentary. So Council's batting stance, he has the hands way up high, and that's because. Previously, he couldn't get it past a country music singer in the outfield. <laughs> that will make you change your stance. And oh, by the way, that story you just heard from Craig Council has been the highlight of the Cubs offseason so far. <laughs> While other teams are going out signing Otani and making moves to get starting pitching, the Cubs, we signed a manager and he tells Garth Brooks stories. Go sign Cody Ballinger! Are you okay with this? Should you tip delivery drivers more when the weather sucks? Guy posted this video of a Domino's driver cursing him out because he only tipped 20% during a snowstorm. Then, if you listen here, he threatens the customer's life as he walks away in the snow. Here oh, is the Lord. here is the original confrontation and the customer's follow-up. Hey, thanks for time. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> for a shoe-dollar kit. You know what? I should have had you guys come to the store. Yeah, good thing I got this on film. Good job losing your job. Domino's driver gets sure about a 20% tip. In this weather, went straight to Domino's. because I picked it here. I wasn't planning on calling the store until I saw the death threat. And just having someone that manic out there, I thought, needed to be addressed. The tip was $5.30-something cents. There was a three ninety nine delivery charge. The food itself was almost $30. So the biggest premise that people are having a hard time with, when he says $2 at the beginning, that's him exaggerating. So are you okay with only tipping 20% during a snowstorm for pizza delivery? drivers. Now, let me just say 20% is fair. I think it is fair. I'm somebody, though, that if it's crappy out, I'll take care of them a little more. Okay. But you can't be expected uh, to do that. Like Tipping culture is getting a little carried away at this point. Now, I've been a pizza delivery guy in my life, and there were some snowstorms up in Muncie mm. when I was at Ball State. Um, and those were some of the days I made the most money. People, I think, yeah. understand, hey, the pizza guy's here. He's out here driving on these crappy roads because I don't want to do it. I'm going to tip him a little extra. But not everybody is going to do that. Not everybody can. Tipping culture is getting a little cocky right now. <laughs> like this guy. I get it. You probably wanted more of a tip, but you can't threaten the dude's life. <laughs> you want to do the Hooter story or the Bear story? Oh, wow. Let's do Hooters. Hooters in Texas threw a birthday party for a 101-year-old Army vet. A U.S. Army vet in Texas named Harry turned 101 this month, joked joked to his niece that he wanted to celebrate somewhere he could see beautiful women. So she made it happen. Took him to Hooters. Nice. (laughs) Are you okay with this? Yes, 100%. Whatever this dude wants, whatever 101-year-old Harry that served in the United States Army wants, he should absolutely get. Now, his niece had a little help here. Um, Harry's VFW friends helped Ah. throw the party. There was cake. There were balloons. Um, His niece said she's never heard him talk about Hooters before. 
for. <laughs> but what he asked for, they delivered. I, by the way, first of all, I, I, I love Hooters food. I, I, I think too. it's a family restaurant. And every time, you know, we're downtown in the summer and I suggest taking the kids to Hooters, my wife recoils like I just asked them. To, you know, to go to the Red Garter. Oh no, no! I know. You're I love right. Their food. I love Hooters their wings. food is pretty oh. good. Like if you're into wings, and my youngest one is a wing eating machine. Yes. He's got like a March Madness seated bracket list of his favorite places to go eat wings at. Bone in wings. He loves going to Hooters. It's one of his favorite places. Now, since this 101-year-old veteran wanted to go somewhere and see Beautiful Woman, should the niece have considered a strip club? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he would have survived that trip. 101, having the uh, the heart palpitations <laughs> yeah. of seeing Debbie on stage number two, <laughs> might have been a little too much for him. Doctor, doc. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Give me the news, I got a bad case love The Hammer you. Nigel Show. My name is Nigel Hammer right over there with a special guest. She is a professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. Friend of our show, Dr. Laura Wilson joins us. So, doctor, let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Is this Republican primary over? Like, is this thing donezo? <laughs> Donald Trump won overwhelmingly yesterday. Second place was 30 percentage points behind. That was Ron DeSantis. And he visited every county and spent more money there than anybody. Is this thing over? I think in one word, yes, mm. quite frankly. I, I hate to say that, right? Because we've only had one primary. It was just Iowa. We've got New Hampshire next week, and we'll have South Carolina. And we're still a month and a half away from Super Tuesday and, of course, four months away from our primary. Um, But you mentioned uh, Ron DeSantis coming in second by literally like 30 percentage points behind, um, having visited every county but not having won one. Only Nikki Haley won a county. Um, And otherwise, Donald Trump really dominated. And it shouldn't necessarily be surprising because that's what the polls kept showing us very consistently, that he was leading the polls by 50, at some points by 60 percent. Uh, but when you're looking in terms of the Iowa caucuses, and I think we knew it was going to be very cold, so we may not have the great turnout that you necessarily have in the past. Uh, people were tempering their expectations, and Trump voters showed out in droves. Um, and he was wildly successful, certainly because of that. Talk, about, talk a little bit about the Iowa caucuses and exactly why it's so different from any other process um, that states use. It seems like sort of an old, antiquated type of style of doing things. It's very unique. And I agree that it's old. It's not what everybody else is. But the, the idea of the caucuses is you pick your first choice first. Right. And then you go to your second and third. It's very similar to a ranked choice 
uh, preference voting system. And if that does not sound familiar to people, it's because we don't use that in our country. <laughs> Most of our elections are you pick your candidate. It's not, well, if I can't have my first choice, I'd like my second. And if I can't have my second, I pick my third. Um, but it's very unique to Iowa's culture, and I don't see them abandoning that anytime soon. That's been a, a, large, a large part of their history, and they're very proud of the caucus system. I don't know in terms of a caucus versus a primary if it would have made a difference in the outcome though when you're looking at donald trump he won a majority uh, in terms of over 50 percent and that's people's first choice in terms of a candidate this is what polling had shown us all along but until you have a primary whether it's a primary election or a primary caucus Right? We just say, oh, polls are just a, a temperature check in a moment in time. And now we have that temperature check in a very real way that shows, at least in Iowa, for their caucus system, Donald Trump dominated for those Republican voters. He did dominate, but I'm going to throw some numbers out here at you, Dr. Laura. Uh, 110,000 uh, uh, 110, of 752,000 registered Republicans voted in Iowa last night. The first votes cast for a presidential election, they managed 15% turnout. What are we to glean from those numbers? Well, I, people in South Carolina and New Hampshire would be really quick to add, Iowa doesn't represent everyone in the country. And, of course, we should all add that neither do New Hampshire or South Carolina. Um, it is a small group of people. And I think a lot of people are looking to New Hampshire and saying, OK, um, we would expect Donald Trump to probably do better in Iowa than New Hampshire. But how much better? What would we expect to see? Because uh, typically, if you're looking at your candidate spread here, um, uh, Donald Trump does better with the the libertarian maybe versus uh, Haley who might do better with the traditional conservative. That's what it's been looking like so far. And so if you see a difference in New Hampshire, that would be indicative of the fact that you have different voters. We were talking about 15% of one out of 50 states. I think it is a humble reminder that this is just the beginning of the primary process, but there is a critical mass that happens at the same time. And so the fact that Iowa is just one of 50 states, sure, right? but they are the very first. And then when you go through New Hampshire, South Carolina, Super Tuesday, us poor people here in Indiana that we don't get our primaries until May, <laughs> most of the time it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And I remember back in 2016 and it wasn't, but guys, this doesn't look like 2016. Donald Trump wasn't winning by a majority. Right. And, and that's the thing, doctor. Like, like I was talking to Nige earlier today, like the Wind chill last night in Iowa was minus 45 in some spots. Now, if I've got my parents going out, or if somebody's got their grandparents going out, because you said it earlier, Iowa loves this quirky caucus system they have. If they've got to park 200 feet away from the door, if they've got to park across the street, I don't necessarily think I want them going out in those temperatures. That was dangerous cold weather last night. And I know it sounds like an excuse but it was also kind of a foregone conclusion. Like, Doctor, I know you're an Alabama football fan. Would you sit outside in a game in Tuscaloosa if it were minus 45, if you knew Bama was going to beat their opponent by 30 points? Never. Absolutely never. And Good even point. if I didn't know if we were going to win, I think I would tune in and watch that one on TV. Honestly, in Alabama, below 50 is cold. No, I, I think there's a very real point about that. And several people talked about how this was the coldest caucus 
in decades for Iowa. It certainly impacts voter turnout. And, and granted, it's cold across the country at this point. I, I don't know what it's going to look like a week from now, or it gets warmer, obviously, by the time we get to Super Tuesday. I, I think those are the points. So for all the people listening that are uh, Republicans but not Trump fans, it, you opened, is it a foregone conclusion right now? Yes, I, I think that's what it looks like. It's not to say that other states won't support Donald Trump, but the critical mass he has, the tremendous victory that we saw in Iowa certainly point, and they reaffirmed the polling, right, that he is very successful among those Republican primary voters. And I, I think we're going to see similar trends coming up here in the next successive primaries, too. We're chatting with Dr. Laura Wilson, professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. So if we are to buy the polling, it looks like Nikki Haley is doing well in New Hampshire and then her home state of South Carolina. And when I say doing well, beating Ron DeSantis is just beating Ron DeSantis enough for Nikki Haley to stay in this thing if she's still getting beat by 15, 20 points in these upcoming states. For a short period of time, sure. I, I think it's fine. I, I do think she underperformed pretty significantly at Iowa because DeSantis has beat her. And recently, the polling had shown that she was leading, but we knew that she would likely do better in New Hampshire than Iowa. And we'll see if that rings true or if Iowa is the beginning of the end. I, I think for both um, DeSantis and for Haley, you know, getting up there, being second place is fine. It's your quote unquote ticket out of Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina. But you can only you can only lose so many times. Right. And especially when you're losing by very wide margins. And I feel like that's one of the most noticeable differences that people need to remember versus 2016 when you're looking at the caucus system is that right now, Donald Trump winning by over 50 percent, getting a majority was not something you saw eight years ago. And so for Haley or for DeSantis, sure, second place is still good. And they're certainly vying between themselves, beating each other up for second and third. And we saw Asa Hutchinson, who people could quickly forget was still in the race, announced that he was suspending his campaign. Vivek Wanswami has suspended his campaign. They're narrowing very quickly. And this feels like the kind of Republican primary where the decisions can be made earlier in the season than it maybe necessarily has been in the past. Do you think there's somebody inside DeSantis's campaign or Nikki Haley's campaign saying, look, just beat whoever it is. Beat second place. You've got to be in second place because in the event some illegal stuff happens with Donald Trump and he's not allowed to be on a ballot or a judge says this or a judge says that, you may be the next person up. Is that thought process going on in the camps of DeSantis or Nikki Haley, you think? I'm sure it is. I, I think that's a very valid strategy. And I you remember uh, back in, in 2008 when they would talk about Sarah Palin being a heartbeat away from president. And part of that was a reference to John McCain's health. But uh, the idea of being second best, especially if the first person drops out, that runner up, that status really does matter. I, I don't know. I don't know how those things are going to play out, um, but I do think that's at least part of the strategy and part of the impetus for staying in there. The hardest thing, though, is if you keep being second place or keeping third place and you're losing by large margins, right? Your supporters are going to start to wane too. And I think there is that critical mass especially if it's happening very quickly and people are coalescing around one candidate, it makes it harder, not that it's a bad strategy, but I do think it makes it harder to be that person who hangs in there even after losing successive primaries or coming 
consistently in second or third by a very large margin. You made me think of something when you mentioned Sarah Palin uh, back there, uh, and she was severely smeared by the media when John McCain picked her. But does does overall does it matter who Trump picks? for his vice president. Does that factor in any way, shape, or form um, people at the voting booth? You know, I I always waver on this one. A lot of times we talk about it as a political marriage. Um, and I do think the selection of Mike Pence was really thoughtful because, you, you know, you want to complement um, what you have in terms of the candidates. So you have something for everyone, or at least a majority of American voters. Um, so I, I think there is some value in it. But quite frankly, most of the time, voters are going to be looking at the president the presidential candidate themselves. So I I think there is a little bit there, and it, that might be something, quite frankly, that Donald Trump is looking at right now. Maybe, you, I honestly, Haley and DeSantis may be thinking, too, in their calculations. If they're able to make it past, who would they select? And you do usually want to balance if you were able to balance out that ticket. She is with the University of Indianapolis, a professor of political science, Dr. Laura Wilson. Doctor, as always, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. It's Jason Hammer over there with a couple of special guests on the hotline, right? So we got IU basketball coming up here at the top of the hour. Pre-game with John Herrick beginning at 6. Tip-off at 7 from Assembly Hall. Let's bet on it. Let's make some Come money on, on this game tonight. I've got my two degenerate friends joining us here. <laughs> I've got David Stefanoff, professional <laughs> handicapper, followneverfade.com, and Mr. Big Ten, the Heartlands comedian, Scott Long, joins us. Scott, we're going to start with you. we got a nine-and-a-half-point spread tonight. Purdue is favored by nine-and-a-half. Uh, we got an over-under that... That is right around 150 and a half. What say you? My point of view is I thought TJD last year really pushed the envelope, pushed that team forward, told all the guys this is an important game. I'm looking around at the current IU roster, and it's Trey Galloway and a bunch of guys from Baltimore and Georgia. (laughs) They don't care at all about this game anymore. I saw Braden Smith talking about it. Oh, this is just another game. Do you think it's just another game? The kid grew up in Westfield. I saw Fletcher Lawyer play at Homestead. I thought he was going to need two years on steroids to make it in college basketball, but he's looked great. So my bet is light on Purdue, uh, but I like Fletcher Lawyer over 11 and a half. So there's a little proppy, Got it. a little uh, hammer. Got it. So player prop bet Fletcher Lawyer over 11 and a half points. Let's go to our professional David Stefanoff. What action do you have on this game tonight, my friend? Sir, I think this is the easiest game on the whole board uh, for the reason why Indiana is 92nd in Ken Palm. There's teams like Appalachian State, McNeese State, Sanford. They're better than IU. IU, Mike Woodson, they don't recruit Indiana. They don't have any shooters. What's Purdue have? They've got shooters. This is the biggest mismatch on the board. Purdue covers us not to have very easily, I think, over Indiana. Got it. does not have the strength. So David is writing the Boilermakers to cover. 
Scott Long. He's got a uh, player prop on the game with Fletcher Lawyer. I'm doing a player prop as well. Zach Eady over 20.5 points. He's going to get to the free throw line a lot. Half his points are going to come from there. Those are our plays. You can follow Scott, scottcomedy.com. You can follow David and become a subscriber, followneverfade.com. Gentlemen, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. David is awesome. you got to follow his college bets. All right, those are the plays. Do with that information as you will. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.